The Yuletide TV podcast is hosted by three college friends trying to find the best Christmas TV episodes ever made. That quest can, at times, be frustrating, which is a nice way of saying that this show contains explicit content. We know that might get us placed on the naughty list, but better us than you. Dan? Jeremy McAuliffe wishes us all a Merry Christmas. What's merry about all this, you ask? Just this. We've stopped cold everything that's been thrown at us from the north, east, south, and west. Now, two days ago, the German commander demanded our honorable surrender. Save the USA encircled troops from total annihilation. The German commander received the following reply. To the German commander. Nuts! Welcome to the Yuletide TV Podcast, the podcast where we try and find the best Christmas TV episodes ever made. I'm Chris, and with me as always are my co-hosts Brian, hey and John. Sup? We're one week closer to Christmas, so that means I'm back in the saddle to wrap up this week's look at different Christmas TV episodes from dramatic television series. But before we get to that, we're about three weeks out from Christmas, and I always like to check in with my co-hosts to see how they're doing. It's Friday. How are you guys feeling at the end of the week here? More like Fry-yay. Am I, am I right, boys? I think so. I think he's right. P-G-I-F. I need to ask John a question, and that is, while we are not watching uh, British television, this whole episode takes place in Europe. Do you feel the need to mock the British right now? No. I need to okay. hear them to mock them. Okay. All right. Just make <laughs> And sure. I don't know how to mock a Belgian. effectively and you shouldn't well i mean i let me give it a go i don't like that you eat your french fry your country's so lame that we took your street food made it our street food and then changed the name of it to a different country and you won't even defend yourselves (laughs) okay all right yeah yeah. mayonnaise doesn't taste good with french fries come at me belgium same energy as when you call people governor but you know (laughs) oh i mean um, it's still just it's cutting. Well, I mean, th- I would like to thank everyone for watching the last episode, which is doing real well. But that's obviously the fucking British, isn't it? <laughs> that that insult of the Belgians initially reminded me. I recently watched uh, Mighty Ducks three, and where the Kenny Wu tries to get Keenan to teach him some trash talking tips, and he goes, <laughs> "Hey, hey, number forty three, you, you, you." Uh, you, you you don't you don't play very good and then <laughs> what a chirp that's i was like never good at trash talking uh and i the first guy that i had an mma fight against was like he really wanted to like do that <laughs> <laughs> and like i just kind of like i'll like make eye contact i don't really subscribe to the belief that it's like you should never stare him in the eyes it's like it's fine it's whatever and he would just say, like, really, like, out-of-pocket things, and I just kept on going, like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I quit playing hockey too early for trash talk to become a real thing, and uh, then I did cross-country, which everyone is too busy trying to breathe to trash talk. Dude, I debate that. Cross-country is, like, an incredibly violent sport. Yeah, it's pretty aggressive. <laughs> I never ran cross-country because my school didn't have it. But I ran track when I hurt my shoulder playing baseball. And I, because I like boxed and stuff and wrestled, I had like really good cardio in high school. So they're like, oh, you can run like two miles pretty comfortably. Go run the two mile. 
and the first like meet I ever went to, I had no practices, and I ran against cross country kids from Green Bay, which Oof. is like Preble, you know, yeah, they're yeah, pretty like good, bigger bigger schools uh, in my area at least, and I didn't know they spiked people. Oh, and like, oh yeah, so like I was, I cut, I must have cut somebody off or something, but I was like, well, this is how you race. I'm going to hold my spot, and they just kept on like spiking the fuck out of me. What does that? What does that even mean? It's when they get you with the spikes on the on the cleats and the leg. Yeah, so like the me- like tracks, <laughs> like on rubber tracks. Oh, you wear like metal cleats, like little like metal cleats, and they'll hit you yeah. in the calves with their cleats. Ugh. And they just kept on like spiking me, and I didn't know it, and I thought I was like, well, they're just like running tight to me, and I'm probably maybe not letting them around, which is like whatever, because I'm dumb. <laughs> and I just like looked at my like legs at the end of the race, and I was just ripped to pieces. because they just were like beating the fuck out of me and i was like i didn't know how to defend myself from cross-country kids these like 30 (laughs) these like 30 pound 5 foot 10 kids were just like yeah yeah like ow it's like you're getting attacked by cats some kittens (laughs) (laughs) so it's the most as it's the most violent sport i've ever participated in was distance running (laughs) yeah that two mile man that's something else yeah it was Mean, mean, it's a mean different mindset it. entirely. Mean, mean suburban white kids beat <laughs> beat up my legs. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. It's their only outlet. <laughs> Unfortunately, got, they listened to Kenny Chesney. Had too many dips and got too hyped up. <laughs> oh, God, a dip while running long distance sounds about the worst thing in the world. I used to wrestle with a kid who who had dips in while wrestling gross and the goal we had every practice was to cross face him hard enough to make him swallow it (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh john do you have any more insufferable high school sports stories i don't those are the two (laughs) jesus (laughs) i'm sorry dog (laughs) that's actually i think that gets us in a really good mindset for this uh coming episode yeah insufferable uh physical situations well you know and also they were just kids brian he was just they were were all just just kids kids. fucking virgin only virgin i know is the virgin mary (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah well let's uh let's transition from talking about our high school sports battles to the real battles what do you think people think this episode's about (laughs) if they haven't seen the title Title, right i don't i that's what we do here probably like one tree hill how close is this (laughs) how close is this to fight club seventh heaven yeah but we're not talking about any of those things we're talking about a show that is near and dear to my heart and we're closing out drama week with Bastone from the miniseries Band of Brothers. Da, 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 da. Hold the line! Da, 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 da. Hold the line! <laughs> About to get real busy up in here, Doc. John, get in your goddamn foxhole! You're imitating the intro. I think you just. We all need to put on our best old man voices if that's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's we'll 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 cut in some interviews, some reflective interviews at the at the front of this. Yeah, we'll we'll go we'll go to future time and talk to future John and Brian and Chris. Yeah, Commander Sweetlick, uh, he always is in charge of the summaries, and he just did a really great job with it. You know, you you've seen a lot of guys try to summarize something, and they can never get it down to ten or so lines, and Chris Chris could always do that. Even if it gets a little cool that night, and my wife will tell you this, the first thing I say is, 
I'm sure I'm glad I'm not doing the Yuletide TV podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 50 years of Yuletide TV podcast. Let's see it happen. 50, 50 seasons and a movie. 50 seasons and a movie. <laughs> there we go. This is somewhat ironically, this is the sixth episode of our podcast for this season, and also the sixth episode of the miniseries, and it originally aired on October 7th, 2001. It's crazy. It's almost twenty years old at this point. Looks <laughs> yeah. fucking looks fucking great though. Still, yeah, still holds up. Still beautiful. You can find it streaming on HBO Max if you'd like to watch it for yourself. But if you hadn't had a chance, here's a little bit of what happened. It's December, and the hundred first airborne is surrounded by Germans in the forest near Bastogne. We follow Eugene Doc Rowe, the company medic, as he scrounges for supplies, and we see how dire the situation is for the troops. With minimal gear, food, and ammunition, everyone is trying to persevere in the disorienting winter hellscape, while Germans cross unknowingly into American territory and vice versa. Throughout the episode, we see sporadic attacks causing Eugene to spring into action and return to the makeshift hospital in the town with wounded, shul- eh, with wounded soldiers. I'm sure those you know, soldiers had wounded shoulders as well, Chris. Yeah, that's definitely part of them that was wounded. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. While there, he strikes up a relationship with Renee, one of the nurses helping to care for the wounded. However, Eugene grows more despondent as he sees how little he can actually do for the men in his care, and a battle right before Christmas sends him back to Bastogne, only to see the hospital hit by a bomb, killing Renee. Instead of sinking further into his depression, though, Eugene returns to the front line with a renewed sense of purpose, removing the barriers between him and his fellow soldiers by calling one of them by their nickname for the first time as he treats them. That was Bastone. All right, let's Excellent. be let's be sad. Let's let's oh, let's get into a nice, good old winter depression. <laughs> but before we do get sad, let's spread a little holiday cheer by learning a little bit about another Christmas podcast as we've been doing this season. Today we're featuring Merry Britsmas, which is a christmas podcast that covers the holiday from a british perspective if you couldn't tell from the title so let's hear a little bit more about that podcast now it's christmas hello this is adam from merry britsmas i am a christmas fanatic from the uk who thinks that the world needs to know more about the traditions, telly and music that helps make a British Christmas really festive. I look at everything from mince pies, to Boxing Day, to Wham, to Slade, to the Royal Family, to Doctor Who. If you want to find out more about a British Christmas, or you are British and want a hit of nostalgia, check me out at Merry Britsmas. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all. So there you go. Be sure to check out Merry Britsmas wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow them on their social channels on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll be sure to include a link to their show in our show's notes so you can easily find them and have a listen. But now let's talk Band of Brothers. And I would like to start with a little bit of trivia while I was taking a look at this episode that I found out about, which is that the nurse that Eugene befriends in the makeshift hospital, that is based off a real person named mm-hmm. Renee Lemaire, who was actually in Bastogne during the siege. 
she was there visiting family when the battle or when the Germans launched their campaign into the Ardennes. And she just like was there visiting family. She was there for four days only before she got killed. She was there on December 16th. She died on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1944. And just like was someone who just was like, okay, I'm here. Let me help. And just like put herself out there. And they said, so what I was reading was that there's, there's no actual record of these two people crossing paths. So it's definitely some storytelling liberties. I think it's more so that, you know, there's, there's a chance that these two interacted in some capacity, but it's definitely some liberties with the storytelling that the producers are making. I think just because you kind of need like the story that they tell in this episode is really good. And having her be a part of this episode and having this relationship with Eugene, I think really adds a lot of weight. But when she died, she that that hospital did get bombed but she died saving like trying to pull people out she rescued six people went back in for a seventh and never came out Mm. jesus yeah so that was just kind of a cool little bit of trivia because i think that's obviously we don't get to see all that because this is very much eugene's story but uh we'll add a link to her wikipedia page in the show notes and uh just check it out it's a really short little entry but uh a cool story about you know we don't hear a lot about the women that were involved and helped in world war ii and just a really neat story to to hear about well thanks for making it sadder on us even sadder yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well you know, I was thinking about this. Everybody loves, I mean, as far as I can tell, everybody loves Band of Brothers because it's just such a great show. And I haven't had a discussion about it in a really long time, but I was kind of wondering watching this episode if we romanticize maybe World War II a little too much. Well, yeah. And don't take this, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and don't take this as, you know, uh, uh, anti-war. Like, I kind of think it should be. Well, it's it's certainly the benefit that Band of Brothers has in regards to a lot of military movies, especially military movies of the time, because we start our movies start getting kind of excessively patriotic after a certain point in pro-military, and this is when the military starts being able to fund video games and movies. So you start getting these like really really glorified um, versions of it. But Band of Brothers is pretty real. Like it, do, I think it, right. of mo- of the shows, it does probably the best job of like. It just shows people die. You know, right. it doesn't yep. show... You don't... People in Band of Brothers don't die for noble reasons. Uh, they don't die for heroic reasons. You just... Sometimes your they friend gets shot in the fucking, fucking neck. die. Yeah. 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 And, and, you, and you can't save him. <laughs> war is senseless. It's, it's horrific. And I think Band of Brothers, you know, like, above all kind of shows just the senselessness of war. And mm-hmm. the lack of logic in terms of who lives and who dies. And even a little bit of who tells their stories. Uh, but i think that's like it does a good job of that for me but yeah we as a country we certainly deify our behavior in world war ii as like you know as our probably our peak of our country is how we interact with it so we deify it and then not to take away if anyone who served because like fuck dude i don't i wouldn't have wanted to be there right (laughs) well i think one of the things in this episode in particular that it does well that you know i've seen this episode a couple times but noticed in this episode in particular that 
you know, Band of Brothers has a really good score to it. Like you have all you have, you know, you have Tom Hanks, you have Steven Spielberg producing this series. Like you have this huge powerhouse of people behind this, making sure it is, you know, the highest quality possible. Um, and this is on. This is when HBO too was kind of not necessarily at its peak, but definitely known for kind of inaccessible premium television too yeah i mean not everybody had hbo and it wasn't easy to get right and i think this is a time when it was become like because you know i think shortly i mean this is you have this sex in the city sopranos like really oz yeah you really launches the hbo that we know today to a degree right this is two years out from the wire if you're if you're doing, oh that was my next question if you're doing yeah. if you're doing the the how much does john like need to talk about the wire count <laughs> <laughs> two, two years out from season one uh also who did the score for this does anybody know off the top of your head if it's spielberg maybe john williams yeah i don't yeah i don't know off the top of my head i can i can find out i'm on it well yeah but the thing i i liked uh, about this episode is that when people die and I, specifically there's a scene where renee and Eugene are, are in the church and trying to help this guy. There's no sound besides them, like, yep. in this soldier's body, like, trying to clean away the blood, trying to get inside him to find an artery, and just struggling mm-hmm. fruitlessly to try and help this person who's dying. And we just, like, watch, you know, it's not a very long scene. It's maybe a minute or two. Right. But just this kind of frantic messing with their fingers, and that's the only sound you get. There's no... They're just letting that moment live with you without trying to enhance it in any way, which I really appreciated. I don't remember the music from this episode, like, at all. No, I think they do a really good job of giving you the silence and kind of filling that void. And like Chris said, just letting it linger with you really well. April popped in for that scene where the doc was trying to find that artery in the guy. And she's like, wow, this is really brutal. I was like, yeah, imagine being that fucking doctor. (laughs) You gotta stick your hand up a dude to find a meat tube to close off. And being Otherwise, some guy's nineteen with die. limited fucking training, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like thinking about like kind of the efficacy of it, and I think it's unimaginable to be in that situation. But mm-hmm. you have to remember that it's like real and like not overly dramatized either. Like that's kind of like the thing of Band of Brothers, and it's just like you just couldn't you couldn't imagine being there. But, like, all of us have connections to people who were there, for the most right. part, you know? Yeah, like, I couldn't imagine being, like, ni- like the dude who, like, that scene that, uh, the scene that stuck with me really bad was, like, the dude who got, um, his friend got shot in the neck. Yeah. And he was like, well, I promised I'd go out there and, like, get his stuff for his mom, and I can't. Like, that's, that's horrific to think yeah, about. That, that mm-hmm. scene just lingers with you when you're, you, you have three guys, they're, you know, two yards away, maybe, and they can't reach this guy and pull him out of harm's way because there's just so much fire going on that they can't, you know, get out there without risking their own lives. And it's just right. brutal to watch be so close and just not be able to help at all. You know, as soon as that kid, though, said he wanted to take point in uh, the, what was that, uh, combat recon, I was like, oh, man, he just put on a red shirt. <laughs> From a, from a story standpoint, yes. that kid is going to die real soon. <laughs> but that's not how Band of Brothers works. Band no, of Brothers just people inexplicably live. It's like the opposite of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, they do entire episodes where it's like, oh, God, this guy is for sure the most dead. He's a goner. And then he's like, he just pops up two episodes later. 
right what the fuck <laughs> right yeah. yeah how many people get shot in the ass <laughs> just every oh, a lot the whole company yeah <laughs> well it is i mean you just remember how dense the show is what what i what i liked about this episode and part of the reason i think it works really well and especially as a christmas episode being able to jump into it is that it's it's very focused around doc even though there are all these characters around it we follow doc through the whole thing and he visits all the characters you know and it's mm-hmm. you know it really emphasizes his role as the medic where he's like just check it like he is a non-stop you know his job is non-stop he's scrounging he's checking in on everyone a guy needs socks you know guy needs boots yeah guy, he gets some guys boots. pissing needles like it's <laughs> you know like and so you really get a good sense of his role but it also helps you know you get this scene where they're eating like lunch or something and a bunch of them are making jokes and he's just off to the side like he's within earshot but he's not really involved until they involve him and you get this recurring theme throughout the episode of oh like i you know he won't call people by their nicknames and stuff and i think it really highlights this kind of like clinical separation that he's trying to make from the people he's serving with well you know from a larger storyboard perspective too this is kind of textbook how do you tell a story about a number of people cleanly and to me this is how you do it you know it's just they do such a great job of giving you just these really great in-depth snippets of everybody's life and you get a really good sense of, you know, their progression and where they're at, but it's not overly dramatic. It's just very clean cut and uh it's it's hard not to really enjoy the writing of Band of Brothers. Cuz it doesn't seem over the top. <laughs> and yes. that's that's where we tend to struggle even in really good World War 2 movies. We just we really we really love we really love superheroes, man. <laughs> Yeah, and that's I mean, and that's the thing. It's like there aren't any super, you know, there, no one's giving a heroic speech in this. No one is. Nope. Nope. You know, we're you're you're watching people die left and right. Like, there's nothing. You know, we talked about romanticizing it, but there's nothing really like, oh, you know, we're there. All these guys are buddies, and they're gonna do everything they can for each other. And it's just like, no, the reality is like you're gonna go out. Some people aren't gonna come back. And you're going to be stuck in a situation where you're not going to have what you need to do what mm-hmm. you want to help each other. Right. And it's especially that it does a really good job of kind of highlighting kind of like that part of U.S. American history, which is like U.S. American war history, where it's like we just would often be in a war without a plan to be in a war and like <laughs> be like, ah, shit, how do we get people bullets? <laughs> We mm-hmm. didn't think this far ahead because, like, we just didn't keep a standing army. That just wasn't our thing, right? And it's that's what happens when you aren't prepared. Is like you get out there and you can't get people bandages and morphine, and you're down to <laughs> or plasma. To, yeah, to quote the to use the quote, like you're da- we're down to one bullet a guy. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like all right, tough, tough, tough spots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're talking about you know uh, preparation and kind of the horrors of war. And I just want to add a little bit of levity. Is it weird that one of the worst things that I saw in this whole episode where I thought, God, I'm really glad I'm not in that position is when Winters is trying to shave with ice water? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> that was like, gonna, oh, fuck. I'm going to be real with you. I haven't intentionally shaved in 
eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I I think I mean it it just does it, that happens pretty early in the episode, and and you know we're again talking about you know the lack of music. You know the first almost five minutes of this episode are silent. You know it's yep. just yeah. you get a sense of where people are and. Again, a, a great thing that we did. We don't often talk about like set design or stuff. Like this is this is very clearly a set. You know, they're in. You know, they're not shooting this out in the winter. I don't think. I mean, this is very clearly inside a studio. But creating this sense of, okay, you're in this foggy winter forest that you're not familiar with, and you know, we get right after that shaving scene, like it gets interrupted because there's a German that has stumbled into their territory to take a shit and it's like and which is another great like kind of it's not exactly levity but it's kind of a funny part of the episode where it's like wow this is a really tricky spot that everyone is in because no one really knows where they are or what they're doing i mean there's a couple of like little spots like that where it's it's kids fighting monsters for a man's plan you know it's <laughs> yep yeah like the the scene where they like stumble into a German's like tent or whatever, or like yeah, oh, like, the foxhole, yeah, like they just drop into it on accident because he's covered up by his blanket, doing the same thing that you see them doing on the American right. side. A few years later, I can't remember if it's Band of Brothers or like a different World War Two movie or show, but like the part where it's like, "Where are you from, boy?" Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that is Band of Brothers. Yeah, like That's, it's just uh, very it kind early of, on. Does a really good job of showing, like, you know, we're from, like, really at the end of the day, we're all, it's the same people. Right. Not really knowing why they're there, but no, being told it's important and they're, you know, eight, 18 enough to believe it. You know, and just going back around to the, uh, good writing circle jerk that we're having about Band of Brothers here. <laughs> this 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 episode being so dense is also really good at setting up the next episode, which is a completely different beast altogether, uh, where they take Baston. And that does a really good job of its writing. And, you know, it, you get a really good setup with Commander uh, Dyke and Pierce and, you know, how many bolts they have and the determination of this crew. And Yeah, it's it, I was really surprised surprised by that too where it's there's so many seeds being planted here for the next episode because next the next episode is also focused on um i think it's donnie Wahlberg's character but and i think he does like he does like more voiceover is is like kind of more part of the narrative there where he's like kind of narrating stuff as his character right but you still yeah you get these little seeds of like lieutenant dyke this kind of inept commander uh who's always like running back to make a call instead of staying with his men and then you also get like the camaraderie of these little little groups of different soldiers in the 101st or easy company and next episode is when i think you have some of the most shocking you know deaths and injuries of the series because a lot of the characters that you've grown familiar with that they've really set up to be very likable kind of get injured in ways like if this was a normal tv show and these were not true stories that were being retold you'd be like oh like you know this is the guy that's gonna make it out in the end or he's gonna have a big sacrifice as opposed to just like (laughs) getting the ship blown out of him by surprise yeah war is impersonal you know (laughs) shit'll just planes exist artillery strikes existed at that time just shit happens Oh, yeah. We are now an anti-war podcast. (laughs) 
don't get to give the sweet speech, sadly. Maybe if there was some paid patriotism in this, you did. But unfortunately, not right now. <laughs> Let's tie this back into Christmas, too. You know, I mean, uh, they do such a really great job, you know, talking about, like, just the direness of the situation. Even the big speech from the general, it just falls flat. And that's good. That's a good thing that it falls flat, I think. I really enjoyed the medic's reaction to that speech. I thought that was really uh, an interesting, <laughs> interesting. He's just like, it's like, yeah, and I told him nuts. And it's like, the medic's just looking like, the dude, fuck? like so many fucking people died. <laughs> like, so you could like look good for your superiors. Right. You know, then it's, that's a bummer. It's a bummer for him. Yeah. I think he's, I think he was a really good, uh, a very good window character uh, to see through where it's like, he sees the kind of like how distant he has to be from everyone, how isolated his existence is, and just like in the Christmas spirit, getting by in little little acts of kindness, like stealing somebody's scissors. <laughs> the guy fucking deserved it. He had a drugstore, and like the I like the chocolate scene. Yeah, the chocolate you know, scene the, is like, just these. Yeah, to your point, these small little bits of kindness and hope and humanity so to speak yeah and then she fucking gets burned to death so that's good to know <laughs> yay well cr or crushed to death we don't know yeah i suppose either way it doesn't sound delightful no which which i will say that when he goes back to bastone that last time the the other image that always sticks with me is that flaming jeep yeah because that's like oh you know that's like something you'd see in like a mad max like a post-apocalyptic thing and it's just like no this was 1944 and like this really happened to people and that's probably <laughs> what the scene looked like to an extent no oh, yeah yeah it's life sucked for those people like it was it was not great <laughs> fucking losing your boots because they get shelled <laughs> yeah <laughs> talk about bad luck <laughs> well and that's the um man it, the episode before this too which like the very end of it is like the last five minutes or so of that episode, like really leads into this one and features one of the craziest cameos in this entire series, Jimmy Fallon. Yep. But it really like, I like you, they talk about, you know, how they don't have proper winter gear and they don't have ammunition and they don't have this, that, and the other. And they see this long line of soldiers that they're swapping places with and you kind of get like, okay, this seems like it'll be bad. But again, I think that's why they spend the first five minutes kind of in the silent panning around the forest because they're really like, hey, this is this really is different. And this is not just winter. It's you're chipping your shaving water because it's frozen over cold, like just really sets it up and, and makes you live in it. <laughs> all these actors did a great job of pretending to be cold by the way well, yeah <laughs> the show owns because it's except for like weird cameos it's either character actors or people who want to be character actors there isn't like a leading man type i guess depending on your opinions on ron livingston but oh it's so good well he's great but he's also pretty much a character actor yeah, yeah. well <laughs> so. and damien damien lewis too i mean damien lewis carries this entire series and even the very few moments he has here, because I think, you know, the, there's a lot of time that we spend with him in other episodes. He's, I don't know, he's got maybe like five lines in this one, including the Dell, which I want to talk about <laughs> later. Please do. But he, you know, it's just like, how do we not give some of these people more to do? Like this guy who's you, Doc, like he went on to do like 
nothing of note. Like he's had work in other projects, mm-hmm. but nothing that I would point to and be like, oh, he was in that. Like, yeah, yeah. It, there is just a show of like dudes who are never like number one on call sheet, right? It's just like dudes who are like. 10 through like 5 through 10 on the call sheet except for like weird situations <laughs> oh yeah, man are, you know? we, are we turning into comedy bang bang now talking about the call sheet where we where people end up <laughs> on the call sheet <laughs> i've been watching a lot of the i've been watching a lot of the hollywood reporter round tables so oh. <laughs> oh those are fun yeah they're nice yeah like they're just like not dudes who ever go on to like super blow up i don't know that i really wish people would have tried more with damian lewis because that guy rules Wait, he is really good in billions he's good in everything He's, he is good. Well, he's competent. At, he's good at his job. Yeah, he is good at his job. Yes. I will say, like, if you want it, like, this is really taking us off course of the episode. But if you do a deep dive into the the number of people that were in this show and the people that go on to do stuff, like, you know, none of the people that are front and center really go on to be big, but all the people that have like very periphery couple line roles, like Simon Pegg is in this, Michael Fassbender's yeah. in this, James McAvoy's in this, Tom Hardy is in this, like. Like people that I did were, not remember Tom Hardy being in this. It's it's very brief. It's very brief. Yeah, it's and it's when it's a very tiny Tom Hardy, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's like <laughs> he probably is eighteen in this. Actually, I think you know what he is in this. He's the guy at the end of the series where they're like looting like German towns, like that Hitler is cleared out of, and he is having sex. Like he's having like pretty aggressive sex with this woman. And then Ron Livingston or somebody pops in and is like, okay, make sure you get this stuff. And then just like walks out as if nothing had happened. But I'm pretty sure that's Tom Hardy. <laughs> Tom Hardy, cool. uh, that, to me and my <laughs> understanding of his career, because there was a time when I thought he was going to be like the actor of our generation. Because I was a moron. The actor? The actor. <sighs> The but actor. like as just like for like this part of his career then he just goes out there and makes the weirdest choice he can in every movie <laughs> but like yeah to my understanding he was just a weird naked person theater at this time <laughs> so I'm sure he was happy for a payday oh yeah i mean i again I, well and why wouldn't you be i mean you have steven spielberg working i mean they filmed all this in london or england and it's like yeah, why not take your, like, if Spielberg is, and Tom Hanks are coming over and you're an 18-year-old actor, like, looking for a couple of lines in a project they're doing? Hell yeah. 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 This, I think the only person whose career it actively hurt is uh, David Schwimmer. <laughs> oh, I don't... Because <laughs> fuck that guy. Fuck that oh, character. Man. He does. He does Joffrey <laughs> levels of acting when it comes yeah. to hating him. It's great. Oh yeah, I would. I would put swings on him right now. But it's yeah. It's honestly <laughs> like, how did he not lean into that more? Like, it's such a good showcase right. for w- how to use David Schwimmer well, and like they just spent twenty years not even trying to do anything like that again. And then they did. They did in People vs. OJ. You hate him in the People vs. Oh, yeah, that's OJ. yeah, yeah. yeah people, that's a good point. Well, that I mean, there's such a time gap between this and the People vs. OJ yeah. Simpson. Like, here's my question then with at least David Schwimmer. Like, maybe he wasn't trying to get projects like that. You know, there are some times when, you know, actors want to pull like a Rick Moranis and focus on their family more. I think it's one of those hard to swallow pills that it's like the best use of you is being hated. <laughs> that's that's true too i think he also point. like i think when he was done with friends or like new friends was coming to an end like i really think he wanted to become a director and i don't think he like really i think he maybe did one or two films even that he directed but i don't think they ever like 
made enough of a splash to like warrant him. It's it's yeah. It's hard. It's hard to be, you know, Ross from Friends, which sucks, but most people like. Uh, that's that's my personal aside, and then be like, yeah, man, let me be a dramatic actor now. You have right. to be like very special to be able to be like. And yeah, like I ab- I absolutely buy the paleontologist from Friends as like a Bond villain. You know? <laughs> or like, absolutely David Schwimmer should be playing Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> like, it's just it's just not a thing for most people, <laughs> unfortunately. After as a sit- like coming out of sitcoms. Right. Yeah. No, that- and that's why maybe Band of Brothers works, except for like there's so few actors you recognize from other stuff you know like office space hadn't taken over its time as like the king of comedy central at 3 p.m yeah you know so you're just like oh yeah that guy i think i know his face <laughs> oh it's, but like you just like you just like his character and like damian lewis i forgot where i'd seen him before this and you're just like oh yeah that guy oh like i mostly care about his character though yeah again it's it's a it's a great i mean it's a good showcase for a lot of people and I mean, just going back to the the Christmasness of this, this episode really wanted to like make me institute a new segment where we pick who the Santa is of the episode because like every good Christmas episode should have a Santa and like Eugene is very clearly to me, he really felt like the Santa because he's like gathering stuff up so he can give them out when people need them. <laughs> and nah, man, the guy who freely gave up his morphine is Santa. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was like ah you're not gonna take this personally are you that guy that guy's santa i like the i think it's lieutenant dyke who becomes more of a presence in the following episode where he's asking him for his morphine and he's like it's like i don't plan on getting hit here you go well he's and he's also like well what if i need it and the doc's like then i'll have it like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like it's not that hard dude not that hard <laughs> But what if you're not super close? <laughs> right? Or what if or what if you have I kept I kept wanting to be like, oh, he gets like PTSD in this, but it's like current PTSD. It's like it's not post traumatic, right. it's currently traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> like the the terming of the time shell shock. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you really see him go through it in this, and it's interesting where we have like these two instances where it's like the first time he is in the foxhole and someone's like come on get up we gotta go and he's like okay here we go and then the second time they're like we gotta go and he's like okay and they're like no but we actually need to go and he's like yep and he's like no not okay stay in the hole okay (laughs) okay let's go you can't stay here dude fuck i'm coming fuck getting out of the thing that covers you from bullets (laughs) i'm on i'm on team team stay there stay hidden from bullets well that's i think that's a good opportunity to talk about the dell which john you were talking about earlier it's like you know it you know this is very much a good illustration of war stuff happens without any reason did the fire in the dell cause that shelling to happen maybe maybe no i don't know man i think i think at a certain point if you're the germans and you're overly frustrated you probably just shoot at anything (laughs) <laughs> that like looks like motion if you got the ammunition that that is another that's like another great lot ron, ron livingston bit 
Like, he has two, like, he really only has, like, two lines, and they're both great, where one is him coming out of the foxhole when the general's <laughs> there, and everyone's already talking to him, and then just, like, being like, do you have anything to add? And he's like, yes. And just, like, total ace, covers his ass. Like, I actually do have something prepared for this. And then the second, when he comes over, and he's like, I thought I smelled a fire over here. And then he's like, oh, shit, I did smell a fire. <laughs> and everyone is like, is this a good idea while warming their hands by? <laughs> like, I, yeah, I love the I love the Ron Livingston lines in this where it's just like, what what do we do with Ron Livingston in this? Exactly what he's good at. Yeah, right, he will exactly. be he'll be deadpan. He's going to pull a really quick office space. Yeah, he's just he is he is truly doing office space at war at points in this. And I do enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> like when they give him the medal, he's like, "I've never even shot my gun." <laughs> I honestly think a lot of Ron Livingston's problem with getting work is probably Paul Rudd because, yeah, like not that they're exactly do the same because they have they bring different energies to the table, but they kind of look similar and they have both not aged in twenty years. Absolutely not. No, Ron Livingston is aged. Uh, I don't know. No, no, he, no. Yeah, he I is think. still he is still fine. I would watch Office Space too right now, especially in this when he's like scruffy and dirty. Like yeah. he could he could look exactly the same. I think. Yeah, yeah he's but, fine. He's uh, he's doing he's doing great. Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> but I don't know why you're wrong exactly. I mean, I'm looking at a current picture of him. Are you fuck? Okay. <laughs> he looks the same. He doesn't age. He's like maybe slightly puffier. And that's, I mean, if you're going to go in a direction, that's fine. <laughs> it happens. Don't you come, don't you come after the star of my favorite movie? I don't know. I think his face <laughs> is just like a little droopier. Yeah. Like a little puffier. I don't he's know, man. Older. His face is pretty droopy in this episode because he's just yeah. playing very oh, worn is he out. Married, is he married to Rosemary DeWitt? He is married to Rosemary DeWitt. Well, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> she's great. You know what? Character actors don't age because uh, Damian no. Lewis looks like the same fucking guy too. Yeah, he he does. It, he like looked oh, the exact 100%. same in every what? Who is he in Marvel stuff? Am I thinking of he's not else? anything in Marvel stuff? I thought he was. Mm, I don't think so. Like a minor. Pretty sure he's not. Damian Lewis. You know, looking back now though, he would have made a kick-ass Red Skull. That's um, maybe what I'm associating him with, but that's right. Not, that is absolutely. If Michael what's Shannon. his name decided <laughs> not to continue the role. Michael Shannon should be in everything also, so you take that back. Michael Shannon? Isn't it? No, it's not Michael Shannon. It's the guy who played Agent Smith. It's, Hugh, and, it's Hugo uh, Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Thank you, oh, Hugo Weaving. my God, yeah. what's wrong with me? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Similar face. Also, another good pick, though, for Red Skull. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what my mind wanted. <laughs> just inserted it. You know what I was thinking of? And this is very dumb. But it's just large ensemble cast. Damien Lewis is good in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for his three lines. Yeah. Oh, as, as, oh my God, yes. Yeah, as Steve McQueen, it's inspired. Yeah. And he looks like he's having the time of, the, of his life oh, doing God, it. Oh, yeah. God, I'm sure you 100%. would. I love that the only one that they had like that that they took out was Burt Reynolds, because no one looks quite enough like Burt Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking uh, about? I'm sure... Oh, why can't I remember his name? Fuck, Norm Macdonald, thank you. I'm sure Norm Macdonald was available. You put Norm Macdonald, don't do not do that to Norm Macdonald. He has to make bad <laughs> tweets. The guy who plays Bruce Lee in that lives in Madison. Oh, good oh, for him. Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a martial artist. I would, I would presume. I'd hope so. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> one, one would assume. Yep. I don't know. I think maybe what got him also shelled was fucking singing songs on the front line. 
Yeah, which I was like, man, I went two for two with silent different versions of Silent Night on this, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Shooting one hundred percent there, yeah. Chris. Yeah, don't... we'll see. We'll see what happens when we uh, go to Snowflake Day. <laughs> another <laughs> another secular spectacular, maybe. I love me some secular spectaculars. We really gotta. Uh, you know what? We're almost out of Drama Valley. Yeah, I, we're you know, we're moving. We're we're gonna take a hard shift here, but I think maybe before we do that, let's let's do some final judgments on this episode. You guys ready for that? Anything else we need to yeah. chat about? No, I think we've talked the hell out of this. Yeah, I think <laughs> it owns this episode's good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, just because I'm a sucker for keeping a format, uh, are we calling this a Christmas classic? A pair of socks or a lump of coal. John, you're you're ready to jump at it. I know. Oh, it's it is uh, Chris Ma's classic. It's really good. It's a good episode. It's uh, I don't know. I think it's it's a good realistic interpretation. I know we're maybe at a point where sometimes we don't want to look at the glorification of points in history, and very justifiably so. But it's I don't think it's a glorification. I I think it's super well done. I think it shows one of the rare things that show the what your spirit should be around the holiday and where like our what the spirit of the holiday was before we ruined it of like <laughs> these like small acts of kindness like you the scene where he gets the chocolate and you can see how much it truly means to him on his face that someone is just like thinking about him in like a positive manner it's kind of is an incredible, incredible piece of filmmaking. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing we didn't really talk about, too, that also goes along with that, you have this little short, brief snippet of scenes in the different foxholes where, like, mm-hmm. one guy's giving everyone, like, his last cigarettes and one guy's, like, the lemon-powdered snow cone thing where it's, like, you're just getting this sense of, like, even with nothing, people are still giving what little they have to each other. It's not a it's not a show about glorifying war. It's a show about showing they're not showing like the cool part of war being like shooting people. The cool part is like the connections these guys have to each other. Like when they're like huddled around their shitty little fire like telling right. jokes. <laughs> like yeah. they're just like they look like they're having like they're just making like the best of this horrific situation. And that's what Band of Brothers is. Is uh yeah. it's about the people. It's not about the thing and I think sometimes right. we lose track of that. So think about the people on Christmas. Watch this episode. Unless your grandpa gets sad about it. <laughs> Brian? Christmas classic. Such a well-written episode, and uh, just to all John's points. You know, it's all about the little things that you can do for people. I, I again, little bit of a Band of Brothers <laughs> writing circle jerk here, but it's just so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll. I have to go three for three on this, where it's it, it's it's a Christmas classic, and it's it's tough too because you don't really get the Christmas stuff until maybe the last ten to fifteen minutes. Like that's that's when that letter comes in, and that's kind of where you get the first mention that it is kind of Christmas time. Right. I think you maybe see a Christmas tree in the far background of the makeshift hospital at one point. And so that's that's maybe a little tough, but I think when you look at the episode as a whole and you look at the themes that this episode is trying to communicate and just the spirit of it, it really is a, an episode that gives you a lot of Christmas feels, I think. And I think when we were talking about Mad Men on our last episode, I think we talked about it having a sad ending in a bad way. 
and this has a sad ending in a good way i think yeah like it really just it it hits you in the heart and it ends on again the the thing i loved about this episode is just and when you you know typically when i watch this i watch band of brothers you know as a whole you know you you kind of binge watch it and watching this episode in isolation looking at it specifically as a christmas episode uh, this this part at the end where he's helping his fellow soldier with his hand injury that he caused but doesn't remember uh, and ca- calls him by his nickname. It's just this really sweet moment of like, oh yeah, this this man is the doctor. He knows that any of these guys can go at any time and has been putting this wall in between them. Not to say he's been unfriendly or uh, not a comrade in arms or anything like that, but he's just put this wall by, you know, this is your name. I'm calling you by your name. I'm not going to be friendly. I'm not going to be your friend because, you, you know, I might have to treat you and you might die. And kind of seeing that this woman he forged a connection with has died and still saying like, okay, this can still be okay. I can still be close to people. It's not going to hurt more because it all hurts the same. Yeah. It just hurts always. It just always, yeah. It always <laughs> yeah, hurts. It's just life is, life is horrible, horrible pain for the next four years. <laughs> right. But it's kind of a mythosyphysis, man. You just got to create meaning where you can and just, push that rock up just, the hill. Yeah. Oh, all right, John um, Pulsart. A mythos. Um. Oh, I was like, I thought you were trying to say that as a word when you really said three words. Mythos. <laughs> it's a book title, Chris. Oh, is yeah, it? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Albert Camus. Come yeah, on. I, I know you philosophers. I have a tattoo of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think, I guess, kind of to expand off something you said at the beginning. There was, um, you know, it's it isn't a Christmas episode. Like the soldiers aren't like. I don't know, covered in garland, yeah, or something, <laughs> yeah, right. But I think it shows that you can make you can be a Christmas episode without being like about Christmas, right? You know, the spirit of this episode is very much about the about the charity and caring for each other, and uh, that sometimes gets lost when we make everything red, green, and <laughs> Santa, right. you know, yep. So this is yeah. it's a Christmas episode. It it happens around the Christmas season and it's even it's about the the kindness and horrible situations. So Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that does it for Drama Week. 2 weeks down, 3 to go, and next week we're switching over to animated shows. You can smile again. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it'll be hopefully nicer. Brian, since you'll be kicking things off again, why don't you remind everyone what we're going to be watching? We wish you a very vi- vent. Wait. We wish you a very venture Christmas. The syllables don't play. We're watching venture. <laughs> a valiant effort. It's just too many. Just too many syllables. Is it a Brock Samson episode or is it a general hatred episode? Uh, it's a Brock Samson episode, and to do my best, Brock Samson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know is just a, it's, it's just a Patrick Warburg <laughs> impression. Who uh, Ugh, who I would you assign as a Venture Brothers character to each member of the podcast for the uninitiated in the audience because they might not have watched a lot of Venture Bros. Uh, I am one, if not both, Venture Bros combined. Chris, you are going to be. The Monarch, and... Ooh, that's a good one. Finally, yeah, that is a fun one. And uh, 
geez, John, I think you're just going to be Iron Mandible. Ooh, I mean, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. I think yeah. that's pretty good. That I don't think anybody's Brock Samson. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, maybe the robot? Uh, fuck. Ooh, that'd be fun. That's a good cut, too. <laughs> Phantom Limb? Yeah. No one's Phantom, Phantom Limb, limb would be. Phantom limb would be good. <laughs> Phantom limb. I'm I'm one of the I am one of the the Venture Brothers or like number forty two. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. What's the What's the one of the two main henchmen who died? That's me. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, because it was uh, the oh man. <laughs> yeah, that guy. We have My kind stanza. Of the, we kind of have the same voice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sick. Well. Find out what all those things mean next week. Uh, I think... Oh, no, no. Not nearly all of those things. You have to watch a lot of Venture Bros to get all those the things. The lore is deep. <laughs> it is deep. And it is rich. <laughs> I think when we initially did our draft that we mentioned that we were going to be watching this on Sling TV, we also did find that you can buy the standard definition version of this episode off of Amazon Prime for zero dollars and zero cents. So another good way to watch uh, before we get into it next week. Probably the preferred way to watch. Until next time, you can always rate, review, subscribe. The weekend's happening. You got time. You can also reach out to us if you like how this is going. Did you love Drama Week? Did you hate it? Let us know. Uh, Gmail. TV at gmail.com shoot us a letter maybe we'll read one sometime if we get one that's worth reading that would be great <laughs> they'll have to read it to me as the podcast knows i cannot read <laughs> <laughs> otherwise uh leave us a comment instagram twitter at yuletide tv follow along with us there we're posting stuff occasionally frequently who knows you know it's it's a surprise in your feed from us at yuletide tv that's a good slogan just love posting yeah Oh boy, here we go posting again. <laughs> I'm surprised we're not posting right now. <laughs> there it is. There it is, the 30-year-old cocktail. Get a little bit of Morty, a little bit of Re- Letter Kenny. There, there, there it is. Go. There it is. That's all you need. Oh, God, Daryl. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick. <laughs> oh, it's got to... Gotta give him a Letterkenny character. Ah, oh, jeez, Bonnie McMurray. <laughs> Bonnie McMurray. <laughs> oh, Morty Bonnie McMurray. Um, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, there it is. Well, that's that's, it. that's, yep. that's uh, God doing this for how many episodes now? Still can't end it too great. But uh, hey, I've been Chris. I have been Brian. I'm John. Finger guns. <laughs> we'll see you next time. We're glad you're still alive. Playbill Sounds provided by Michael Koenig from soundbible.com and Joy to the World provided by freexmasmp3.com. Guys, give me two seconds. I gotta step out real quick. Okay. 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 Let's shit talk Brian. It's time to shit talk Brian a little yo, bit. Yo, fuck Brian. <laughs> All the homies hate Brian. Uh, hey, 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 we all know Brian's your least favorite of us, right? That's... Yes. <laughs> tweet at us who your favorite is, if but don't if it's Brian. <laughs> Brian doesn't want any tweets that say you like him. It makes him self-conscious. Don't mention Brian in the reviews. You don't need to say anything bad about him, but when you leave us a review, just say stuff about me and John and just omit Brian. Just leave him yeah, out. Yeah, just, just us. 
the Just Us podcast. Do you think he's getting morphine? I mean, probably. He's a freaking morphine fiend, that Brian Curran. 